Are you ready for God's word? Amen, 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 amen. And if you're ready for God's word, let me introduce our new sermon series. It's called The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. And how many of us know that the heart matters to God? The heart is extremely important to God. In fact, it's so important, the wisest man to ever live besides Jesus told us it is imperative, listen to me, imperative that we guard our heart. Why is it important for us to guard our heart? Well, I'm going to share three very important reasons. One, it's vital. Number two, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your heart because he knows if he can get to your heart, he can render you uh, obsolete. And number three, because it's vital and because the enemy wants to destroy you through your heart, you have to guard it. You have to guard it so that you won't lose heart. Now, I want you to think about how many times and how many things that we can talk about, and we'll talk about them over the course of this series, that relate to the heart. Is it possible to have a broken heart? Do you realize Pastor Melissa broke my heart when we were in college? She broke up with me. She broke up with me, and she would not take me back. Broke my heart. But then again, I broke up with her. She just didn't want me back. And so then when I... I how many of you know you can break up with somebody and then change your mind? And I changed my mind the very next day, and she's like, nope, nope. But you see how it ended. God is good, amen? And the devil is a liar, and so he put, the Lord put us back together. Now, in, in all seriousness, is it possible to lose heart? When someone says, don't lose heart, what do they mean? It means don't lose your passion. Don't lose your purpose. Stay focused. Is it possible, listen to me, listen to me very closely, to think in your heart? Is it possible to have a compromised heart? Is it possible, if you're not careful, to not only have a compromised heart, but have bad intentions of the heart? And so all of these things are important, and that's why we'll start off with the foundational message today that's entitled, guard your heart so that you don't lose it, so that the enemy doesn't come and destroy your most valuable gift from God. Now, think about this. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verse 23, that it is imperative. It is imperative, and he gives us a command. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. What does it mean to keep something? It means to guard it. What does it mean with all diligence? It means take it serious. Don't mess around. Make sure that you're wide awake when you guard your heart because the enemy's coming for it, amen? For out of it spring the issues of life. In the King James, it says, for out of it, for out of the heart spring the wellsprings of life. Come the wellsprings of life. What do you mean the wellsprings of life? That means like a, a community, has to guard their water supply because out, without your water supply, you don't live very long. Is it true? And this is what the Bible is saying. It is your source of life. In the NIV, it says, above all else. That means make this your top priority to guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Now, think about it in the physical. In the physical, your heart pumps 
blood, and from there, life flows to the rest of your body. In the spiritual, Solomon is saying, you need to guard it because it will bring life to the rest of you. From it determines how you live. And so I want to, right from the, right from the start, give you my thesis. My thesis is that the heart is extremely valuable because if it weren't valuable, God wouldn't tell you to guard it. You don't guard things that are not valuable. You only guard what is valuable. You know, the truth is that some time ago in last century, all of the gold and the Constitution, the uh, Declaration of Independence, and different documents in our, uh, in our, in our nation's history that are, that are valuable, in fact, they are priceless, got moved to Fort Knox. And there in Fort Knox, it's believed to be the safest place on earth. Why? Because it's guarded with the full might and strength of the United States. You say, well, pastor, that's debatable. What's not debatable is God saying, I need you to create a Fort Knox around your heart. Because it's that valuable to the way you live. And today we want to explore that. Amen? I want to explore that. So the word... Guard in the Greek is natsar. Natsar in the Greek means to keep, to guard, but it also means to watch over, to guard, to restrict. That means to century. What does it mean to century? It means you guard it with force if need be. Why with force? Because the enemy is going to try to break in and you're going to have to resist him. The Bible says resist the devil. Don't let him have even a foothold in your life, and he wants your heart. You say, but why is the heart so important? Because the heart, listen to me very closely, is where thought takes place. You say thought, not only thought, it's where your emotions happen. But not just your emotions, it's where your will takes place, and your will is so valuable. You have a choice whether to love God or reject God. You have a choice whether to live faithfully or unfaithfully. You have a choice. The other day I was listening to this so-called uh, sophisticated atheist. And he was saying, could God, if he wanted to, have created a universe where none of us would have sinned? And the apologist he was debating says, yeah, well, if God could have made me without sin, then that would be preferable to what he created. So then it's his fault. What he wasn't thinking about and realizing that God could have made us robots. He could have made us a computer program. He could have made us to where no sin existed, but there would be no propensity or opportunity for love. And because God wanted to love us and give us love, he gave us free will. Because you cannot force love. I cannot force my wife to love me. I cannot grab her by the neck and twist her arm behind her back and say, you will love me. Can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. So young people, if you want a, a woman to love you, you have to woo her. And so God says, I want you to love me and I'll woo you by coming here living life from your side and dying for you, dying for you. And so that's what love is. 
And you say, so, so the heart is where we have that will, where we have these emotions and we have thought? But I thought the brain is where you have thought. No, I'm talking about not just a thought. I'm talking about deep contemplation. Your deepest memories are found in the heart. That's why when you break up with someone or you lose a loved one, you don't just feel it here, you feel it here. This is why when you struggle with anxiety or depression, you don't just feel worried here. That worry settles here. And many who have told me and talked to me about their anxiety, their depression, their worry, tell me that it starts here and it bounces around, but then it comes down like a pinball and it settles in the heart and it feels like an elephant is sitting on their chest. Because the heart can think. The heart can think. If you don't believe me, what would you make of a, of a story? And this isn't the only one. There's many stories like this. But, but the story that I'm referencing is a young girl was murdered. She was 10 years old. Her heart was still viable, so her parents uh, gave her heart to be transplanted into an 8-year-old little girl to save her life. That 8-year-old little girl received that 10-year-old little girl's heart, and she began to, to experience life and vitality, but she also started to experience some deep, horrific dreams and visions of being murdered. They took her to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist slow, uh, quickly realized these aren't just dreams or random thoughts or visions. These are memories. These are memories. They put her in touch with the police department of which they were able to uncover who the murderer was catch the individual, apprehend them, and convict them because of the memories of the heart. You say, Pastor, oh, that is wild. I don't believe it. Believe it because the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about how vital your heart is. Point number one, Jesus said things like this, blessed are the pure in heart for they, what? Come on, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Come on, how many of us know without a pure heart, you can't see God? You'll never see God. In fact, you'll be separated from God. You'll say, Pastor, but then who can see God? The pure in heart. But how can I get a pure heart? By the, by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. You say, but, but can I have a, my own pure heart? No. Because the Bible tells you plainly that the human heart is exceedingly wicked. Exceedingly wicked. You know, those that, that say, oh, humans are, are naturally good people. Uh, yeah, what planet are you living on? <laughs> people are not naturally good. People are naturally selfish. If you don't believe me, I'd love to invite you to volunteer in our children's ministry. Go and volunteer in the preschool department and you'll learn right away that they are vipers in diapers. <laughs> they, you know, that's what uh, Pastor Vody Bakum says, and I agree with him. He says, that's a little viper in a diaper. You don't have to teach a two or three-year-old how to be selfish. It comes really naturally. Oh, they learn it right away. Mine. And they learn the, the rip, rip it, pull it, stiff arm, Heisman pose mine, right? This is mine, not yours. And if, you're, and if you get a really bad one, they'll rip, pull, smack. Rip, pull, smack. And they do it so good. And so 
So you say, but pastor, what does that have to do with anything? It means that we are all selfish. And if left unchecked, that selfishness is pure evil. Pure evil. And you say, well, then how do we change this? This is why we need a Savior. I'm going to let you in on something. What Jesus is talking about here is he's setting up the tenets, the tenets, or so-called the Bill of Rights for his kingdom. Because he came to set up a kingdom. He says, the kingdom is now at hand. But I want you to think, if a king shows up and says, I want to set up a kingdom and I'm inviting you to be a part of it, you're going to have your own thoughts of what that kingdom is going to be like. And where are you going to get those thoughts from? From previous experience. And what he came to say is, my kingdom is not of this world. I cannot have you thinking in terms of what you have seen on this world. Therefore, I'm going to put forth my tenets. I'm going to put forth what I value. I'm going to put forth my value statements. And he said, this is what I bless. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Notice what he did not say. Blessed are the ambitious. Blessed are the strong. Blessed are the capable. Blessed are those who are intelligent. He did not say that. Instead, he said, blessed are the pure in heart. And that should have you ask, how can I become pure in heart? Because without it, I will not see God. That means I will not be in God's presence and be in glory in heaven with him. I must have a pure heart. And that's why he came. To give us a brand new heart. That's what the Old Testament says. I have come, Jesus is saying through the Old Testament prophets, he came to replace our evil, sinful, hard heart with a heart of flesh. A pure heart. A clean heart. Only by the power of his Holy Spirit and his blood. Only. This is why it's so important. The heart. In fact, when God came to Solomon and asked Solomon, Solomon, what can I do for you? You know what Solomon asked for? Anyone? No, not just wisdom. Wisdom and understanding of the heart. Did you know that? Not of the mind, of the heart. Watch, it's right there. Therefore, give your servant. He's talking to God. Solomon is saying, give me as your servant. Watch, an understanding and wise heart. In verse 12, God responds to him and says, behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you on the face of the earth, nor will there be anyone like you after you. That means I'm going to show that it's about the heart. Why is it about the heart? I'll tell you why. Because the heart is vital. Without it, there is no life. Do you realize that God is still promising to bless those who put their heart on him? I want to remind you, when the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? What were they trying to do? Were they being sincere? Of course they weren't being sincere because they needed a heart change. They were being what? Deceitful in their hearts and they were trying to trap him. How does he respond to them? He gives them the answer and not just to their question, but to their heart issue. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. But don't forget the heart. You go, oh, pastor, are you sure? No, I'm sure. In 2 Chronicles, he says this, for the eyes of the Lord 
run to and fro throughout the whole world or the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Notice what it says in the NIV or the New Living Translation. I like this, the New Living. I like what it says. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Isn't that what Jesus said? Fully love God and everything goes your way. Why? Because God gets involved with you. God gets involved with you. It really is about the heart. I want to share with you a little story. So God decides he's going to name a new king. And he shows up on your doorstep to name one of your sons as king. How many of you would be like, oh yeah, we're going to Sizzler tonight, right? We're, I mean, we're going to eat uptown. We're going steakhouse. I don't know what, but, but that's, that's cause for a celebration. That's like, that's like Ed McMahon showing up during Super Bowl Sunday. Some of you are going, what is Ed McMahon? Yeah, that's Back in the day, there was a guy called Ed McMahon in his publisher's clearinghouse. He would show up with a million-dollar check during Super Bowl at halftime to a random house in America. If that happened, how many of you know you would be celebrating? So Jesse brings out his boys, and he lines them up. Jesse is the man who has been told by the prophet Samuel, I'm going to anoint one of your sons as king. He brings these guys out, and there's seven of them. And they're tall and good looking and they look like kings and they're strong because they're young. Come on, how many of you know it's easy to look great when you're young? Someone said the other day, oh, pastor, I can't believe you're having such a hard time. When I, you know, I, I can do this and I can do that. And I, can, and I said, yeah, I could too when I was 21. You just wait. But anyway, that's another story. That's another story. Um, and then there's no bitterness in my heart. No, no. <laughs> I'm happy for your youth. No, but, but listen, so he lines them up, and Samuel goes up like this. I say, why, why am I doing this? What am I doing? What is Samuel holding? He's holding a horn that, is, that contains the anointing oil. Now, I need you to understand something. The anointing oil represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you're going to watch in this, in this whole scenario, is extremely important. Just like the Holy Spirit is, has been extremely important uh, throughout creation and into salvation and continues to be important. And so the Holy Spirit is represented by the oil, and the oil is stopped with wax. When you hold it over the anointed one, the wax melts by the heat of the Spirit of God, and the oil flows. And so he holds it over the firstborn, and nothing happens. He says, man, I thought for sure he looks like a king. He goes to the second one, this one, for sure. No, the third, the fourth, the fifth, all the way to the seventh. And then the, king, the, the prophet says, something is wrong. Why? Because God doesn't make mistakes, and he sent me here. You're not sharing something with me. So then the father says, well, we do have one more. What? You've got one more and you didn't bring him in? He's a little, how do I put it, unique. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that, his, the, the wife, you know, speaks up and says, he's unique, honey. Yeah, he's, he's a little weird. But why? What so? Well, he doesn't play sports like the rest of my guys do. He's kind of scrawny. In fact, he's a musician type. Real touchy-feely. He's got these little twinkle hands, and, and he plays the harp. 
and, and he's out there with the sheep, and he's got a real sensitive side. I mean, he writes this poetry stuff. I don't think that's the guy. I can just imagine the prophet say, no one sit down until he arrives. Do you realize that scholars say he could have been two or three days away? Two or three days away waiting on David. <laughs> don't you sit down. By the word of the Lord, don't you sit down. He walks in. He smells like a sheep. And he's like, yeah. And the oil begins to flow. And this is what the word of the Lord says. This is what the word of the Lord says. Man uses their eyes to look at the physical appearance. But I, God, uses his eyes to look at the heart. It's about the heart. And I have seen this young man, and he has a heart after my very own heart, and I love him already. God sees the heart. It's important to him. And if it's important, then you better know that the devil knows it's important. And if the devil knows it's important, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, the Bible says that's the only reason he shows up. You go, why does he want to kill my heart? See, this is important to you guys. He wants to kill your heart because it's in your heart that you get illumination, direction, and anointing power to live purposefully for God. If he can, he might not have, he may not be able to help you getting saved, but he can try to keep you from being effective and render you useless, so to speak. He can destroy your witness by destroying your family. He can destroy your witness by destroying your children. He can destroy your heart by destroying your loved ones all around you, including yourself, and render you brokenhearted with a lost heart. Come on, how many of us remember how awesome we felt when we first became Christians? When we first became Christians. Why? Because it was an awakening of your heart. How do I know this? Well, read in the Bible with me. It says that if you confess with your mouth, Romans says, and believe in your you will be. So how were you saved? You declared what you felt. You declared what took place in here. See, the only way you can be saved is to have your heart transplanted with the heart of God. With the heart of God, you say, I don't believe that. That's the only way salvation takes place. I want, you to I want to remind you of what Jesus said to the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the law? They were the power uh, structure of Jesus' time. And he had the most conflict with these individuals. In fact, it was these individuals that killed him, that crucified him. What was his big conflict with them? Anyone? Okay, yeah, this is a sermon. I don't expect y'all to, 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 to just say it out there. But the big conflict with them was a conflict of the heart. How do we know this? We know this because he used to say things like this. You're whitewashed tombs. You're hypocrites. What did he mean? He said, you always focus on the outside, but your inside is rotten, decayed, bones, death. What did he mean on the outside you look nice and pretty, but on the inside you have decaying flesh? It means you're dying and you cannot save yourself no matter how much you try to fake it till you make it. What do you mean fake it till I make it, pastor? Well, on one occasion he says, you guys are like a bowl, a bowl 
that you shine the outside so exquisitely, but on the inside, you haven't washed it since you got it. Come on, how many of you would like coming over to my house and I serve you some amazing soup or some kind of stew and I put it in a bowl that's exquisitely ornate and clean, but the inside, I haven't cleaned it and there's some dried up queso, some frijoles, some chili. Oh man, I've got about 10 years worth of stuff caked in there. Would you be okay with that? Do you see the picture Jesus is painting? Why is he painting this picture? Because he's saying, it's your heart. It's your heart, bud. Buddy, it's your heart. And you can't do anything to change your heart. And so this is what you're doing. You're trying to give others a hard time to make yourself feel better. This is why he says, you put all of these burdens on other people to watch them fail, and you won't lift one finger to help them. Come on, how many of you have ever, yeah, absolutely. How many of you have ever lifted with a, with a spotting partner, with a partner? How many of you know it's, it's good to lift with a partner because you can do more? How do you do more? Because he's there to get your back, to help you. And what do they have to do? They just have to keep you moving, right? And a good spotter will not let you break momentum. Even if it's slight, you've got to keep moving because the minute you stop moving, it comes back on you, doesn't it? And so what do you do? Do you grab it and do this? No. What does a good spotter do? Come on. Takes two fingers or one finger and just does this. Come on. Come on. Come on. You can do this. You can do this. You got this. You got this, baby. Yes, yes. And then you lock it out and you feel amazing and you have just broken through. You have broken through. And this is what Jesus says. But you are so hard-hearted, you sit there and watch them fail. You sit there and go, you loser. You don't have what it takes. Because in your heart, you'd rather put them down to make yourself feel better. Because that's the only way you can elevate yourself is to put others down. He says, let me give you a new heart. This is why he took the mallet of his words. It was a mallet, his harsh words, calling them hypocrites. And he was smacking, smacking their hard heart, smacking their hard heart, hoping that it would crack so that his light of love would penetrate. Yeah, that's what he does. Ray Comfort puts it this way. Grace to the humble, the law to the proud. They were proud, hard-hearted. Only God can change that heart. And so if you're not careful, the enemy will want you proud and hard-hearted. It will affect the way you speak to others. It will affect the way you speak to your spouse. It will affect the way you speak to your children. It will affect every aspect of your life because it's in the heart that it starts. How does he do this? He does this through pride. He does this through lust. I'll talk about lust in just a second, but I'm talking about this, this idea of the heart. This is why the Bible says things like this. Are you with me? Are you with me? It's not what goes into the mouth. Here's that same idea where they thought, if I eat something that's on this ceremonial list, I will make myself unclean. And God is saying, yes, I'm saying that because it's important. I want you healthy. But it's not so much what you eat that makes you unclean. It's what takes place in your heart and comes out of your mouth that shows your true condition. And this is why it says, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. In Luke chapter 6, it says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. 
For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He's saying, hey, I want to help you. And only I can help you by the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk more about that in a second. But the enemy also comes not just to make you proud, but he wants to affect the thoughts of your heart. And the way he affects the thoughts of your heart is he has you compromise your own heart. Your heart knows what you're supposed to do. Why? Because God has given you a new heart that beats for him. And one of the ways that he steals that heart, destroys that heart, that relationship, is to have you sin. Because he knows that when you sin, you will feel less than and your heart will begin to convict you. Will begin to what? Conviction. Listen to conviction. Conviction is, you're better than this, son. I have more for you. But it's so hard to hear conviction when the enemy is right there like Johnny on the spot drowning conviction out with condemnation. Condemnation is you're no good. You're sorry. You call yourself a Christian. Nothing's changed in your life. You're the same old, same old. And he begins to bring that conviction against you and you begin to wrestle within your own heart, hurting your relationship. And then you start doubting all sorts of things. And so you have to remember, guys, to guard your heart. Because he wants those thoughts to go from here to here. And how does he do it? Maybe you haven't sinned. Maybe nothing's gone wrong. You say, Pastor, but sometimes I feel that that God's word is so harsh. It's not harsh. It's good. When he says, listen, I don't want you having sex before marriage, it's because he knows how it makes your heart feel. He knows how he created you how he wants you to be secure. And listen, listen to me. The enemy wants you to compromise your heart so that you make bad choices in your heart. And God is saying, no, when you have a pure heart and you're walking with me and you've given your trust to me and you trust my ways, then your heart will make wise decisions and things start happening good for you. Why? Because you live in a supernatural world and you need a supernatural anointing from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to know God is for you. But let's go back to this thing about, about, about the heart thinking. Because in the book of Proverbs, it also says this, for as he thinks, as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. So the enemy will start here, but he wants to settle here. How so? He might say something like this. You remember the way you used to be? How many of you know one of the most powerful things you can do when you're talking to someone is ask them a question? Because the question begs an answer. And the answer will engage. Why do you think uh, the enemy came to Eve and said what? Did God really say He asked her a question. Why? Because the question begged an answer. How many of you know you don't have to answer the enemy's questions? (laughs) Because the minute you start answering, he's got you, and he's got you thinking. And ultimately, he wants you to remember in your heart the old you. He says, you remember the way you did this? The way you compromised here? Remember how selfish you were there? Remember this, remember that, remember? And you start thinking about it. He wants you to 
Settle here. How does he want you to settle here? Because then he peppers you with, you're not worthy. You think you're all that. You went to church. You're still the same old person. You're going to do it again. You always do. You don't have the strength. You don't. You're right. But in the name of Jesus, he's given me the transforming, miracle-working power through the Holy Spirit to make me different. I'm not who I used to be, and I give the honor and glory to God. And so I go forth by saying, Lord, lead me not into temptation. That's a temptation. But deliver me from evil, the evil one that wants me to think in my heart. I have to guard my heart. So I say no in the name of Jesus. I put my mind on the things above. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy. If anything is worth thinking about, that's what I focus on. And some of us have gotten really sloppy. I'm just being honest. Some of us have gotten really out of shape in our mind in keeping it focused on what we're supposed to be. And the enemy comes asking questions and we just go with it. I better sit down. We just go with it. And we just go, you know what? I guess I have to think that you don't have to think anything. God gave you a free will. And you choose what you want to put your mind on and ultimately what you want to contemplate in your heart. If I were you, I would contemplate the good things of God. And if you really feel you need change, then do what I did and what I still do. I can remember going before the Lord, falling to my knees and saying, Lord, give me a clean heart. Give me a new heart, my king. Yes, I'm saved, but I still feel that selfish tug deep inside of me, asking me and begging me and, 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 and perplexing me and to be selfish towards my spouse. I blame her for things that are not her fault. They're my fault. If I lose something, I blame her. If I, get a, if I have a bad day, I blame her. Lord, rip it out of me. Do whatever you have to do, but give me a new heart. Come on now. Come on. Am I the only one? No. No, and you know what I found? God is faithful. When you pray those prayers, he comes close to the humble. He stands far from the proud, but he draws near to the humble. And he says, you know what? Only I can give you a new heart. And you're praying the right kind of prayer. And he comes down by the power of your Holy Spirit, and he starts to manifest something that none of us can do in our own strength. None of us can do in our own strength. And that's why the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, believe, you shall be saved. You shall be changed. It transforms you. Ultimately, we need to guard our heart. You say, Pastor, are you sure? I'm sure. And I want to remind you of Adam. God told Adam, you want life, don't eat from that tree. When the enemy came to tempt Eve, where was Adam? The Bible says he was next to Eve. Why didn't he say anything? Because he didn't understand how important it was to guard his heart. Guard his heart. And so guarding is something you do actively. It's not something you just show up for. That means you've got to arm yourself with the full armor of God. And you've got to say, not on my watch. So there's a young man. He was commissioned to be a sentry at the post. It was during wartime, and so his commanding officers said, you are 
guarding the entryway to the post, to the base, and no one is to enter without the insignia. They showed him the insignia upon their windshield. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If they try to get through, use lethal force. Do whatever you have to, but this is sealed off to anyone who does not have the proper uh, documentation. So he says, yes, sir. A little while later, he's getting a little bored, but he's standing faithful. Here comes a car. He says, oh, wow, car's coming. The car pulls up. It's clearly a military car, but no insignia, no seal, no anything. He goes up and says, hold there. What is your business? We need to enter in. I have General Wheeler in the back. The general says, let me through, son. Says, I'm sorry, sir, but I cannot. I have orders not to allow any vehicle, anyone to enter in without such insignia. He says, oh, don't worry about that, corporal. Corporal was, was his chauffeur. Go on through. He steps in front of the car. He says, you will not pass. He says, just go on through, son. Move out of the way. He moves out of the way, but he points his gun, and he goes over to the window, and he just taps right on the window that was down. The window was down. He taps on the window, and he says, General, I'm new at this. Who should I shoot first? <laughs> you or him, but I have orders. No one will pass. You know, it's interesting because you say, well, you know, if he was really a general, you, know, you could tear my story apart, or you could say, what if Jesus gave you an order? No one, nothing should pass into your heart that is not tried and true by the word of God. Amen. Tried and true by the word of God. Would you take it so seriously or would you make exceptions every which way? See, the truth of the matter is our heart is important. This is why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Get in God's word and let it direct you. You know what else the Bible says? Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I haven't always guarded my heart. I've done some things and I can tell it's, uh, it's waned on me. It's, it's created compromise in my heart. I know it. I know it. I can feel it. Then you can pray what David prayed. I want you to think about this. This amazing man of God that God says, he's a man after my own heart. He needed to pray in this fashion. Psalms 51. This is the prayer I've prayed before. Psalms 51, Lord created me a clean heart. He had a clean heart. That means you could have had a clean heart when you got saved, but somewhere along the line, things have taken place. You can pray it again, Lord created me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Why? Because he knew it was by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We need to know it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Every eye on me, every eye locked on me, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why David said, Lord, do not take your spirit from me. Don't take your spirit from me. You can take the kingdom. You can take anything. Take the crown, but don't take your spirit. It's by your spirit that you create. This is why the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. Guard against those sins. Guard against those thoughts. Guard against the ploys of the enemy trying to steal your heart. Put on the full armor of God. And notice what he says. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. In Ephesians 6, verse 14, what is the breastplate of righteousness? Walk by the purity of your heart, by the spirit of the living God. 
because only the Spirit can make you righteous. You say, are you sure, Pastor? you got to read the Bible technically. Go back to God's Word, Romans chapter 10. Go back to Romans chapter 10. Watch what the Bible says here. Are you with me? Come on, put it up there, please. Here we go. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Watch this. For with the heart, one believes unto purity, righteousness. That's why you guard it with the breastplate of righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So, this is where we finish. This is where we finish. And before we go any further, would you just take some time, you and the Holy Spirit of the living God, and just have a conversation with the Spirit of God. Say, Spirit, how has the enemy been getting at my heart? How have I compromised my heart? Lord, would you give me back a full heart for you? I mean, the kind of passion I once had when I first became a Christian. I don't know what he's going to share with you, but I know it'll be better than you think. Right there where you sit, would you just have a conversation with the Spirit of the living God? For some of us, we might be thinking, I've been trying so hard. And no matter how hard I try, I just cannot get there. It's because you can't reach deep enough. You need the Spirit of God to reach deep inside and begin to bring that change that only He can bring. Say, well, how do I do that? You believe in your heart and you say, here I am, Lord. I surrender once again, once again to you. Help me with my words. Help me with my attitude and my actions. Lord, let me live grateful before you with a pure heart. I know you've forgiven me of all my sin. And I live forgiven, not condemned, but forgiven. I trust your word. And most of all, Lord, I'm grateful for the body that was broken and your blood that was shed. In Jesus' name, we say thank you. Until you return. Maranatha. Amen. Amen.